All right, we are back. Black Women Voices podcast, season four, episode six. And we have a great, I guess I say this every show, and I'm going to keep saying it every show. We have a great uh, lineup uh, tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this. I'm excited about the conversation. I'm excited about the guests that we have. But as always, let's introduce our co-host, I being one, Dr. K, hailing from North Kakalaki. <laughs> I remember, I am Dr. B in Kansas. I like saying it like that, Kansas. I'm so excited. This is, uh, pick off your shoes and relax your feet. Oh, oh, oh. escape. Oh. Listen. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you how fitting that is because that's you know escape and what we uh-huh. talk about is gonna help us escape from some uh-huh. of the we've been holding on to. But we're gonna get to that. So today's conversation, we have three phenomenal black women on the show with us um, who all come from a self care, self healing um, framework when it comes to black women. And I am excited uh, to hear not only their individual stories around self-care, but their collective story as they have uh, this awesome opportunity um, that I hope that they share uh, with our listeners, especially our Black women. Uh, but okay, let's let's get into what we've done the logistics part. So, <laughs> two Black women voices, ladies, how are you? Amazing. Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm, excited. I'm excited. It's good. It's good to be here. Yes. Good to be back, actually. Yes. Dr. Yes. Ray, you back. I about it. Yes. <laughs> back. And I brought two uh, phenomenal <laughs> human beings with me. And um, these are my sisters. And um, these are my sisters in self-care. So we actually um, formed a collective and we are sisters in self-care. So we are sis. Yes. So let's start off with you all telling us about yourselves, what you do in the self-care space from Black woman perspective. And then let's get into this collective that you all have formed. Yeah. So on the... Day-to-day, Dr. Ray is an Associate Vice President for Student Health, Counseling, and Wellness at Wiley College. Um, I have a small consulting private practice um, where I help uh, women in particular prioritize their self-care needs um, and center themselves around being intentional to do what they can to um, be okay. And I have... um, been excited about my own evolution in self-care and I know I shared as we were getting ready to jump in this that I want to talk a little bit more about how while self-care saved my life this is a journey and so i um, excited to be here and again I brought with me um, two sisters yes. in self-care who um, they are from different industries um, we have different kind of walk of life experiences but um, in fact, uh, Black Women Voices brought sis together. And so um, the first time I was here, I recorded and I talked about this journey of self-care. And my first sister, Shamira, listened to that podcast and she reached out to me because there was so much connection. So Shamira, I want to give you the opportunity to just talk about who you are um, and then we can get over to Naima. 
Nice. Yes, absolutely. So uh, my name is Shamira Parker Evans. And first of all, I just want to say, yes, I did. I reached out because it was so compelling. I listened to this podcast and I was having such a good time. I don't even actually know how I got the link to this podcast, but each of you women, because I actually went and followed each of you and I still do. Um, but I reached out to Dr. Ray, the self-care doc, because I was like, oh, she's the self-care doc. Like, I have to connect with her. Um, and, and so I, I have been on this path with self-care for years and years now, almost a decade. Um, I, they refer to me as a self-care evangelist. And um, I'm a self-care advocate. I am also a professional and parental burnout preventionist. And I really work specifically with Black women. Um, I work with all women, but I say I super serve Black women because we have our own set of needs. We are coming from a different background. And what self-care looks like broadly is not the same as what it looks like for us a lot of times. And, um, and, and a lot of us are high achieving and high impact and we don't prioritize our self-care. And so that, that has my heartstrings. And so I focus on high achieving, high impact black women. And, you know, the biggest thing is teaching self-care integration for burnout prevention. And I believe that integrating self-care as a part of a lifestyle versus something that you feel like you have to go off and do. A lot of people feel like you got to go off and do it. And it's almost like a task. If it feels like a task, that ain't self-care. And so (laughs) we are, I teach it for self-care integration as a lifestyle. And a part of that is showing women how to manage their energy and how to leverage who they are and connect to their spirituality um, in order to make self-care non-negotiable. And the actual term that I use for it is uncompromising self-care. And I preface that by saying, because you have already compromised enough, I don't have to ask the question, where have you compromised and how much have you compromised? I know immediately when I'm dealing with women, especially Black women, you have already compromised enough. So we are going to get uncompromising about our self-care so that we can be emotionally healthy, so that we can be healed and so that we can become whole, which is our birthright in the first place. And we know that a lot of Black women suffer in silence. So we, we are working towards no longer suffering in silence because that leads to chronic health issues, fatigue, and professional and parental and personal burnout. I read a statistic somewhere that said that Black women on average live an average of three years less than our white counterparts. And as soon as I read that statistic, I was furious. And that fueled me even more. So we just get three years less life. The largest attributing factor was stress. And so I just, this is personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) This is personal. I, I want to see my sisters healthy, healed, and whole. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's been a blessing yeah it's been a blessing okay, okay evangelist all right, I mean, all right. Okay. Logan, we need an okay. <laughs> right <laughs> I told you. okay i told you it's the truth 
I think, though, this piece that, you know, after we all kind of share who we are individually, I think what we what I know to be true about the three of us as cis is that it is so personal. Yes. Right? I talk about self-care saving my life because I was at the point of burnout and I was at the point where mm-hmm. if I didn't make a change mm-hmm. that um, I might not be here. And so right. this work is about, this is about living it out, living it out loud authentically so that those around us can be healthy, healed, and whole. Yes. So. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. Self-care doc. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be good. Yes. Yes. So I am Naima Mackinshaw McCallum, and I'm going to preface that with I am the evolution of my becoming. And I serve women who lead to consciously divine pause and unfold in the story of their becoming. And so what does that mean, right? (laughs) You know, so often we feel disconnected from ourselves. And so my intention and how I look at self-care and how I serve women and like my sisters here especially serve black women because I know we're going to get into our stories later I became the epitome of the strong black superwoman I became the story of my mom I became the story of my grandma and I became the story of my ancestors behind me And so what I do is I equip women as the legacy shifters that they are to consciously make a decision to be the change of their own becoming. And how we do that is we got to consciously unfold. Mm. That means consciously decide that we're going to release, that we're going to choose to do it different, not only for ourselves, but for our legacy. And so I teach women how to holistically do that by leaning into what I've created as a framework to divine pause, which is to rest, to be still, to lean in, and to most importantly, to connect up, which is essentially connecting in. Because the divine is the divine in us. Mm. Gosh. Yeah. Listen here. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I see y'all playing fair tonight. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm gonna right. you're crying because I'm going to tell you it's okay to cry, right? And then, and then we're going to have you pausing and then Mr. <laughs> Myers going to have you amening. So. The interesting, the blessing is that that was just their introduction. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So, wow. Um, black women and self care. What makes it so hard for us to practice self care? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Woo! Okay. I think that there. Um, well, the first thing that came to my mind, systemic racism, I think, is what comes up for me, honestly. And I know uh, 
cis as a as a collective, equity, um, diversity, inclusion, and so all of the things that we know Black women have not been afforded, Black people have not been afforded, um, and that Black women have been at the center of, I think, have contributed to our uh, how we're socialized to see ourselves and we are socialized to see ourselves as, well, the world sees us at times as commodity. They see us at times as, you know, um, well, we can just stop there as commodity. We are seen not for our human experience, but for what we can do and benefit for others. And so in that, we are not given permission to pause. We are not given permission to be compassionate towards ourselves. Um, in fact, we center everyone else. And so in that socialization, we are then um, taken out of the equation. And as a result of it, um, we have three years less life, as Shemaya mm-hmm. talked about, right? We are, um, we are forced to then see ourselves as positioned last. And so um, for me, I, I, I don't think... I would have anticipated myself going there, but for me, it re- a lot of it really is connected to how black bodies are mm-hmm. viewed and mm-hmm. when the black body and the particularly the black woman is not seen um, as valuable, then therefore we internalize that. Mm. But how much of that is, so I, I, so systemic racism, we can definitely look at that through kind of through that paradigm, but then also how much of that is a communal racial uplift intersectionally kind of like expectation, mm-hmm. like with, with that, whether that is having to be the other mother, which we've talked about numerous times, having to be seen as, or, you know, seen as the auntie, the sister, the somebody to mm-hmm. support these black and brown students, like how much of that is grounded within a historical cultural Mm -hmm. perspective too. So I think we perpetuate it um, because of the systemic racism though, we perpetuate it as a survival coping mechanism. So we were taught that we couldn't rest because if we rested, then we could literally die. And so rest rest meant that somehow something was wrong with me. And if I didn't do what I was supposed to, it could then impact my family, my children. So we were literally, we, our brains, it was ingrained. Um, Joy DeGroote, she talks about, <laughs> you want to say it, Shamira? I see your, I see your head. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> post-traumatic, so post-traumatic slave syndrome. I was going there. I was post-traumatic there. slave syndrome looks at, how this is a trauma-based experience. Our inability to take care of ourselves is is connected to trauma. And until we do the work, I truly believe that self-care is a a trauma intervention. And both, and cis, we talk about the work work that cis is is doing and that we are trying to bring to the world. It's about intervening um, the trauma that we've endured. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and if we want to put a term on it, if, if you've been paying attention, you will start to hear people talk about epigenetics 
Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a new term, but epigenetics is referring to that. It's referring to what has been epigenetically beaten into our DNA that exists as a part of us now. Yeah. You know, it's a part of our experience as it was beaten into our ancestors' DNA. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and even if we want to explore the communal piece, if if my ancestors were valued, weighed, and measured based on their labor and to include wet nursing other people's children, then yes, I am the community mother. I'm everyone's mother. Yeah, I am everyone's mother and everyone is nourished by my breasts and my labor except me. Right. I have been taught and I have been really just trained to be other centric in my thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as long as everyone else is taken care of, anyone, everyone, anyone and everyone except me, mm-hmm. it's good. It's fine. Everything right. is fine. Except it's not. And we are literally dying inside. We are the walking dead in real life. Mm. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important for us, especially as Black women, to take our self-care seriously. <laughs> because our self-care is truly our liberation. It's our freedom. It is our freedom. And by us leaning into our freedom, which is self-care, we're choosing to break generational curses, right? We're choosing to move from that narrative and create a new one. We're choosing, actually, essentially, to create neural pathways in our, in our yes. minds, in our habits, in our bodies. We're choosing to, with embodiment, right, to release what was created through epigenetics and move it out of ourselves, right? Yes. So we are choosing to model something different and decide to do it differently when we truly lean into self-care. As my sis said, as a trauma intervention. Yes. Yeah, that that was it for me. The, the trauma intervention. That's what yeah. self is about, and creating the model for ourselves. And mm-hmm. some you all um, said earlier in regards to if it becomes a task, it's no longer self care. Right. So it's just another thing that I need to mm-hmm. do, get through today. And mm-hmm. who this? Oh, Doctor V. Just load it. <laughs> Listen. Oh my gosh. And it, and, and it, you know, and it just makes me think it's just like, you know, when, when, when do we receive the messages that we cannot matter? Right. Like, like what, when is that at birth that, that we, 
in our nurturing of black girls, the little black girls, is it then that we tell them that, okay, so your responsibility is to take care of everybody else at the expense of yourself? Mm -hmm. And I, think, I do think developmentally, it, it happens extremely early. Yes. If you think yes. just kind of broadly developmentally, how we socialize children, right? Little boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. Little girls are taught. I mean, like we're teaching, we're socializing children from the moment, from the moment they entered the, the, this space. Mm -hmm. um, and so absolutely, uh, young girls um, are taught to pick up after other people. Not only are you picking up your, your toys, cleaning your space, you're supposed to clean your brother's space. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. and, then we, and then we make, um, we, we have double standards for how we treat the genders um, we, and, and I also want to yield to my sisters, um, because both, um, you all have children. So I think you can speak from that perspective of, you know, kind of what it's like as mothers. Um, but I definitely think from a psychological perspective, you know, we are, our psyches, it is, it is so ingrained that to go back with be somewhat impossible to go back and pinpoint like the initial the yeah. initial moment yeah. you know because we it's the lens through which we interact and so unless you are intentional as we have talked about it um and for me as I define self-care it's the intentional act of nurturing one's physical spiritual or emotional self but that intentionality has to come with a level of awareness and if it's so ingrained often we're not aware so that awareness escapes us and and so that first step of um, being able to make the change and to be, uh, to move as Naima shared with us earlier. Um, in order to do that, we've gotta, we've gotta be aware, but it happens so early on that sometimes we're not even aware we're doing it and we're, that we're perpetuating. I like to, I like to speak to that. You know, I, I love that you shared that. And I love that you introduced intentionality and self-awareness, because I always say that self-awareness is a superpower and that we can change absolutely nothing about ourselves or our lives without it. Um, it was through the lens of awareness and consciousness, becoming conscious, that I was able to think about this in a way that allowed me the opportunity to make any changes and to implement self-care into my own life, right? And so when I think about what you just said, when I think about it, I really believe that, yes, and as a mother, right, I am teaching, and I'm a mother of boys, so I'm not, I don't have a little girl, but I'm teaching them to be conscious now. I don't want them to go through life being asleep at the wheel, <laughs> so to speak, and, and I'm teaching them about self-awareness, but in my investigation around this, because I wanted to know, <laughs> Where did this enter the bloodline? Where did this happen? And I really believe that this was created as a survival mechanism, as a trauma response to life. If we go back to slavery times, right? Don't, let's say this is a woman who has children and she just wants her children to live, okay? She just wants them to live and not die and so when she's talking to her daughter and she's teaching her daughter 
she's teaching her daughter what her daughter needs to know to survive. And that is where the strong Black woman archetype was created. It was formed and it was molded there as a survival mechanism. And it has been handed down generation after generation. And no one ever took the time. None of us ever took the time to say, you know what? We honor you. We honor you for how you have served us. We have survived and we are here surviving. And now we want to lay you to rest because we're ready to enter a season of thriving. Yeah, I've never thought about it like that though, Shamira. Yeah. This idea of um, we want to honor you. Mm-hmm. Honor it because it was created to protect us. So, yeah. I, so I think what I'm hearing you say is that a lot of times we shame ourselves for how we've um, had to cope and be the superwoman and be the over-nurturing, other-mothering, but acknowledging that um, that's a part of our, our level of resilience and how we yeah. were able to survive. And so now, but giving giving ourselves permission to put that down. And when we think about trauma work, um, right. This, that's a similar perspective. The trauma work that any of us are, are, are doing when you do have when you have a trauma response, that is something that saved your life. That, that trauma yes, yes. response yes. was something that helped you. Yes. So at a time it was meaningful. You needed right, it. Yeah. But yeah. now it's become right. um, an inhibitor or it is it's de- detrimental to you. And so that awareness mm-hmm. that we talked about. Once we can be aware, we know that we no longer need this particular coping mechanism. Right. Yes. Right. But yeah. this was a generational coping mechanism. All they were worried about back in the day was, I just want my child to survive. And then there was a point in time where I just want them to make it back home. So yeah. I'm teaching you what you need to do to survive and make it back home to me. And yeah. even though racism is still alive and well, it's, it's different now. So we don't need it in that way. So I feel like it was introduced as a protective mechanism, as a, as a survival mechanism. That's why, and that's where it came from, but we never took it off. We Mm. just wore it. It's the invisible cape that we wear. Yeah. Yeah, That's so good. Off. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, sis. Um, One of the things that that's bringing up for me is, uh, one of the things I say is that you can't heal what you choose not to feel, right? And we were taught not to feel, right? Oh, Therefore, man. we couldn't, how could we heal that, um, that trauma that we were experiencing, which said we had to wear that cape, right? right. So just even going back to, you know, how I, I personally make the shifts in my parenting, is that I teach my kids to feel. Feel your feelings. Whether, feel all of it. Feel all of it. All the feels. Of it. All the feels. <laughs> all the feels. And, and allowing us to consciously do that, right? Because that's why I focus on the consciously unfolding, right? Yes. To consciously feel all Come of on. your feels, to know that all your feelings are valid. Now, yes, are. what I also say is that your feeling, your emotions are a GPS. They're not your destination, yeah. right? Yeah. So Data. we got it. Okay. So with our feelings, 
it's going through the process of knowing how to move through them, to transmute them, and to make a decision that's going to honor us moving forward. Yeah. Come on. The GP. Oh, God. Okay. All right. So we got. So first, let me just say, (laughs) I am in total agreement with this whole concept idea that we have been surviving way too long and we need to move towards thriving because there's a difference, right? Um, For me personally, I believe surviving is tied to somebody else. Thriving is tied to me. Yeah. Recognizing that, and which comes with that level of self-awareness. Then... (laughs) Then you put on top of there that feelings and emotions, their GPS, they're, they're not, they're part of the GPS. They're not your destination. And a lot of us, a lot of women get caught up in their feelings. You, you know, the whole saying, oh, you in your feelings to the point where that feeling has become the destination. That's it. That's the end. Yeah. And okay. Yeah, I'm going to start right there because uh, let me say this. <laughs> well, no, that's good. If the feeling is the destination for folks, though, it I, I almost feel like it's also polarized as well. It's the destination for some of us, uh, and we and we sit in it and we rest. But for other others of us, it is what we avoid at all costs. So mm-hmm. we don't want to feel anything. Yeah, kind of numb. Yeah, yeah. This idea that somehow by numbing it, as and as you said, Naima, not feeling it, somehow it's gonna go away. The, yeah. the right, all, all the stuff I've been trying. Right. Right. Or, or even just indicating that I'm feeling something, therefore signifying to somebody that I'm weak, even in speaking about mm-hmm. that. Talk it's about like that. it's like speaking of it immediately silences me from being able to speak mm. anymore. Mm. In that it paralyzes me from being able to do anything with it. Good night, y'all. Right. So where yeah. where you just said, Dr. V, it, for me is like the shame. We yeah. shame ourselves. Um, And so instead, so this is why what Shamira said was so important is that we want to honor that this was the, this was like, how brilliant is our mind, our body, our psyche, that we could cope in a way to help save ourselves. So, so you're, you're brilliant and you're beautiful. There's no shame in what we've done. Now it's just a matter of moving forward and what's the next step. So, so not allowing the shame to paralyze us Mm -hmm. as it does, it keeps us stuck. Yeah. Until something comes up that triggers. Mm-hmm. I always speak from, I always say this whole thing that, you know, when it comes to trauma, we've dealt with it, but we haven't healed. Yeah. And we think that dealing with it is, oh, it good until a trigger comes and we're right back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same situation that happened 20 years ago that we said we was, we was good about. So mm-hmm. that difference of dealing and healing, yes, uh, it's it's powerful. It really yeah. Dealing is momentary. Mm-hmm. Healing is a process. Yes, yes. yes. you got it. That right there. Say that. Yes. Say, Say that. that. We got to give it time. The process. You have to give it time. Yes, because you survive from it doesn't mean that you heal from it. Oh, a lot yeah. of us have survived mm. a lot. And we think mm-hmm. because we survived, we're good. But mm-hmm. just because you survived from it does not mean that you healed from it. Mm-hmm. And I think the other concept, Dr. Kelly, you were talking about this and it made me think of something. I want to circle back to emotional safety. And mm. 
the thing about it is when it comes to emotions, and I think Dr. Ray, you were saying this. Are we, because we talk about not feeling safe to feel our feelings. We, we, it isn't safe everywhere to explore your feelings, feel your feelings, have feelings, emote. But have we sat with ourselves enough to ask ourselves, am I safe with myself? Mm-hmm. I, listen, I won't go mm-hmm. there, but since you go over there, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. I alluded to this a little bit as we were preparing for tonight that um, on my journey and in my process, yeah. I, I, I sat with myself at one juncture of this process, but I'm going to be transparent and say, um, and I'm trying not to shame myself about, mm-hmm. you know, kind of where, where I am as the self-care doc, right? I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. doing all these things, mm-hmm. but y'all, it, when you have the experience of the one, I think we all have our thing that is kind of like our Achilles heel. And, and so for me, career was never a challenge. I was stressed about career. I, I get stressed about work. I'm, I stay at work all kinds of hours. You know, I'm overdoing it for our students, but that was never my Achilles heel. If I'm being really honest, as a 38-year-old woman who does not have any children, who is not married, um, or and is living through the pandemic Um, giving to others and trying to prioritize self-care. I have not, to your point, Dr. K, you know, I don't feel safe sitting with myself sometimes. And I had started or y'all say had started, I started to avoid doing the work. And so what I'll say is that um, in in this season, I have recognized the importance of rhythm and what I mean by that is there are some moments where I am in flow and my self-care is, is moving and I'm centered. And, um, and then, you know, moments like Valentine's, we recently passed Valentine's, you know, Valentine's Day come and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm thrown off my game. And, and so they're, they're recognizing that my rhythm looks different than other folks, not right. shaming myself for where I am um, and recognizing that I'm still the self-care doc, even when I have moments where I feel like I'm not yes. taking care of myself as well as I can. Yes. 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 We uh, Giving yourself is, permission. Yeah, it is so important for us to own our own truth, put all those cards on the table and, and own every part of it because- yeah. If we're too careful, we'll let these titles um, dictate how we need to be. Ooh. Whomever we've given that power to, right? And mm-hmm. so a lot about, you know, having seasonal depression and some seasons are better than others. But this past season still, I'm on the, the end of it now has been hectic. And it's like, I can't get right. <laughs> like nothing is coming together, yeah. but I'm still pushing through it, right? Um, and no one is understanding because they're so used to Dr. K doing this for them, Dr. K doing that, Dr. K saying that, oh, mm-hmm. she'll be good, she'll be all right, mm-hmm. she'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. self-awareness is a process in itself. And each yes. 
I'm learning more about myself. One, to give myself grace, mm-hmm. boundaries and sticking to those boundaries. And three, recognizing that God didn't call me when I had it all together. So why do I feel like I need to have it all together in this moment? Mm-hmm. That part. Mm-hmm. Dr. That part. Dr. Yeah. K, thank you for being vulnerable mm-hmm. and allowing us to like hear your heart. And yes. I have to acknowledge that I did it to you too, right? At the beginning of our time together today. I'm like, where you been? I haven't seen you. I'm like, I'm used to, and, and it's, oh my gosh, as you were talking, I realized a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Miss USA, who recently um, mm-hmm. lost, you know, death by suicide. Chesley, Chris. Chesley. So like you, Dr. K, appearing to have it, you know, like on the outside, just everything together. And so I have to say in this moment that I apologize for, because, because we really just don't know what's going on for folks because we all are faking it pretty well. And it brings me to something I think we talked about in that first episode that I shared, which is there is such a power in vulnerability and being able to... Say when you're not, when you, when you, yeah. when you need a pause, right. when yeah. you're not okay to be honest about where you are. So I just think that your bravery in sharing with mm-hmm. us tonight mm-hmm. um, and helping us to see that um, what I was mentioning about this idea about rhythm, where you are and where your rhythm is right now, sometimes we need to slow down. And, yeah. and, that's okay. and you know, it's, it's so powerful, even in this moment to do it within community in a safe space. Um, I just remember, you know, as we were talking to you, Dr. You know, a couple of, you know, time ago, um, I was going through the doctoral experience and it was a lot and I was not, and I'm in, I have times when I'm okay and I have times when I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I can't think about that experience without crying. Oftentimes I can't talk about it you know, without it being so traumatic. And, you know, I I was talking to a lot of, you know, my uh, Black girlfriends, and so many of us have these traumatic stories that happened to us while in the doc program. And I remember talking to my best friend, and I was like, there's nobody talks about this. There's no researchers talking about like this traumatic stuff and looking at it through this race and gender dynamic, like what's happening And my best friend said, she said, you know what? Because it's too traumatic for us to relive. Mm -hmm. The idea that we have to think about it, the idea that we have to have it in our heart, the idea that we have to write it out is too much for a lot of us to bear. So being able to speak Mm -hmm. it and to, it's a reliving, you know? And so just the, just the experience that we can just share here Mm -hmm. is so valuable. And Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. this year I was able to get a therapist um, and she is a black woman and she's so yeah. amazing. And, and one of the things I noticed about myself is I just process, I'm like, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And she's like, I need you to stop mm-hmm. and I need you to pause and I need you to just sit with that. And I was like, no, I don't want to sit with it. No, 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 we don't need to sit with it. I just said it. I wanted to drop it there and I wanted to move on. And so much, what I didn't know is I was just surviving. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to make it to the next moment things were happening. And that's also true too. And then when we think about self-care, there's so many things that happen to us on the road of being black women that we're often not stopping to heal. We're not stopping to feel, we're not stopping to any of that because we're not allowed that time Mm -hmm. to do that. Right. 
and it and it often makes me think about whose responsibility then can we say that the institutions that we work for need to be caring for our well-being you know we go to these conferences you know and they they talk about self-care but they're not really doing anything to change our workload so that we can think mm-hmm. about our self-care or is it that we need to reclaim that Auntie Maxine, do we need to reclaim that for ourselves to say, no, I'm not going to do that. That can wait. Like, where do you see the responsibility? Where, who, who can, like, where, where is that? Is it a that and? Like, where do you see yes. that? It's a, it's a that and. It's a, it is, the workload has to shift. And I don't know if, if you all are reading about, um, what is it called? The great resignation that's happening now. Mm-hmm. But folks mm-hmm. are saying enough. That if the system does, if the, if the workplace doesn't change, folks are resigning. Mm-hmm. And so it is that the, that the structure of the workplace has to change, but it is also a, a sense of boundary setting, as Dr. Kate talked about a minute ago. And I, I, I as you were talking, Dr. V, what is resonating for me is that we are all in some ways fear driven and so afraid to when you talk about talking about it, about the trauma experience, um, mm-hmm. about speaking up and saying when we need time, when this is a lot of this is fear driven, fear based. Mm-hmm. So I think if we, in addition to the self awareness, the intentionality, the integration, all of those things, really being able to face the fear that if I pause, the world isn't going to fall apart. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. And we, once we face that fear and and actually once we face that truth that the world is not going to fall apart, then I think as you were asking Dr. V, then, then the shift can begin to occur. Yeah. But also to, to, to your point, we, the world, like if we cease to function, the world will continue. That's also kind of the opposite end of that, you know, like that's the heartless, you know, perspective of it and that they will continue to move. I remember somebody telling me that they were like, you know what, if you end up getting sick tomorrow and end up in the hospital for all that stress and time, at the end of the day, the institution is going to put your job up within 24 hours of you not being there. And I, and I remember being real hurt about that. It's like, you don't understand. I'm here for these students and I'm here till 11 o'clock at night and they have my cell phone. I remember, I remember the assertion that my supervisor gave me. He was like, oh yeah, so your door must always be open. You must, I, I didn't eat until four o'clock. That was okay. Or later, you know, and just understanding that your time could never be your own. And so much of that felt like that was the culture of the office. But the more we think about it, I think that was the culture of the field in how we saw our role as practitioners, if some mm-hmm. of us are in higher ed. Or, and so that's, you know, the question. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, I agree that it's a both and. I think that, you know, part of living into self-care is taking radical self-responsibility for ourselves, right? Because we are the change. And so we have to decide to make the shifts and the changes within us. However, at the same time, the environments in which we work in 
do play a big part in reference to our self-care, right? So I do believe that the shifts need to change within the workplace. Like I'm actually doing restorative justice work now. And I personally believe that if organizations actually supported their team to be more human, right? there would be more change. And I believe if organizations actually focus in on well-being, there would be more shifts. But that has to start with the leaders. Yeah. Numero uno. And the, it has to start with the leaders because if the leaders aren't talking the talk, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And if they're not walking the walk, it doesn't happen within the organization. Yeah. I'm so thankful that I have a supervisor that honors my self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had called in because I wasn't feeling well. And when I had came in the next day, she said, I know you're not well because you never call out. <laughs> and she said, you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. comes an older Black woman in the position of VP of Student Affairs, a woman who works, when I say work, this is a working woman, to say that to me, it get not gave me permission, but opened my eyes to the fact that I don't have to do it the way she does it in yeah. order to be successful. Because yeah. so long in higher ed as a Black woman, the messages I hear is, I have to work, 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 do this other mothering, do all of this, not really take time off to be successful. And now I'm just like, no, I don't have to do all of that. One, because I don't really need the title of VP or president to be successful. So there's that. And then two, I want my brand to be that I take care of myself, that I create boundaries. And I think I'm doing a good job of it now because when people meet me or talk to me, they say, okay, do you have the time? Because I know you work in boundaries. How can I get to that level? And I'm like, wow. So you never know that in the doing the work for yourself, how it is spreading to other people. And as someone who is a woman of faith, I solely believe in that I have to go through something in order for someone else to see it and give them permission to do it too because all in my purpose is tied to someone else's escape listen yes i'm over here like amen to everybody because that part the revolution begins with our personal evolution so i actually believe that most of it starts with us Now, yes, we do need the structural change. And I do believe that, you know, employers and environments have a responsibility, but it still began with the person and their own personal evolution and their understanding of something a different way for it to even be a conversation, for there to even be any kind of acknowledgement or you know, awareness of there being a need. And that started with the personal evolution. So I I really believe that it begins with us. 
And every single time that we give ourselves permission, like you were saying, Dr. K, we then give others permission. And then that kind of goes back to what Naeem is talking about right now, permission. When we give ourselves permission, especially when we do it in a visible way, other women see it, other people see it. And not only do they acknowledge it, not only do they honor it, but they, they start, it gives them, it plants seeds. You know, it is the words of our testimony that begins to plant seeds that break chains later. And that's just, that's a personal belief. I've seen it. I've seen mm-hmm. it in my own practice with my own clients and the trickle effect. Right. To Naima's point though, as far as the structural um, piece, I really see there to be a trickle effect. So when that personal evolution happens in someone in a leadership role from the top down, it does trickle down. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. That's what we really, really want. But it still starts with the individual. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do a lot around leadership development. And one of the, um, an article I read said that maybe 10 to 15% of leaders are self-aware. Mm. Wow. <laughs> right? And you think about this whole concept of being led by someone who doesn't even know themselves and trying to tell you what to do. Um, And so I teach, I educate, I coach folks on self-awareness being a foundation of everything that we do. Yeah, yeah. Because if I don't know myself, I will fall and settle for the narratives that others have written for me. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's also true, though, that we often lead how we were led, though. You know, mm-hmm. like when we think about the field, oftentimes, and, and, and I guess I'm supposed, you know, speaking from the standpoint of student affairs, like there's often no manual to do our job. We mm-hmm. often lead because this mm-hmm. is how we were led. We, we often work these 50, 60 hour, 70 hour work weeks because that's what we learned as a GA. And we learned that as a GA because there was somebody else in t- that told us that we could never reclaim that time as our own. And it's interesting because to the point that, you know, was just made, people, you know, our mentees, our students are watching us and they mimic our behavior. So we can preach all day to the cows come home that it's important to care for ourselves and it's important to, you know, center that and, and, and be mindful of that. But yet if they see us working these 70 hour work weeks, we're speaking out of both sides out of our mouth. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, how, 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 are, how am I supposed to do it if mm-hmm. I don't see you doing it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's so powerful. And it's funny because I had a student, I, I was sending an email to my students, it was like 1130 at night because I just needed to get it out. Because I was like, I don't care. I want to be able to go to sleep. And the next day, my student, I tell this story and I was like, who do you think you're talking to? He was like, um, Dr. V, considering, you know, I know that you love us. I appreciate you loving us. But considering you talk about self-care and protecting your own peace for so long, I thought it was really interesting that you were sending emails at like 1130 at night. And I feel like you, you know, you maybe should practice a little bit more what you're preaching. Now, first, I wanted to be like, who you think you talking to? You don't talk to me like that. But then I was like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And it's funny because he, I continue, he's still my mentee. I still talk to him and he continues to check on my well-being. He's like, yep, that sounds great. I'm glad that you are calling truth to power, but how are you really doing? Like, how's yeah. your heart? 
How's your mm-hmm. mind? Because mm-hmm. I know you and I know that you pour and pour and pour often where there's nothing left for yourself. So if I got to be the person that's checking in and I was like, I need to do better at that. Yeah. So this is speaking to me. We talk about healing coming in community. And so what your mentee was able to do for you, I think it, we need those reminders. We right. need those folks on our team that reflect back to us our own truth because it's not I think I think he felt safe enough to do that because you had been in some ways living that out and then it was you were when all of a sudden when you weren't doing it it was like whoa 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 um but how beautiful is that that you had um someone that you've impacted his life in a way Mm -hmm. that that back to you and I think that that's the that speaks to the power that this work does it is when we can start this it's revolutionary as we said but when we do it it, it's like as Shamira was saying if we focus on us and we do our work then that that models for other folks Mm -hmm. then other folks begin their journey and then it reflects back to us and then it's like Mm -hmm. it, it, it builds right right yeah. So yeah. I think that was that was a beautiful story, and and I think we all have had the experience of impacting those around us, even when we didn't know it. And so yeah, I'm glad somebody challenged you. And you know, I I want us to um, us meaning black women to get to the space that we're doing this inner work, because when we begin to do the inner work and incorporate self care, self awareness, etc., it is my belief that we can begin to teach others how to treat us yes you're not just about to treat me any type of way when i know but when i don't know myself you you can you know treat me some type of way because i i don't know any better but you know we can be on here all night (laughs) (laughs) so before we we close out I, i want you all to talk about um the cis collective um what is that about how did it form um you know the the services you provide and how people can get in contact with you so i mentioned a little bit in the beginning that cis formed uh after black women voices podcast no no but uh shamira naima and myself um met found ourselves having synergy recognizing that we each think deeply about self-care, but we come at it from a different perspective, but that all three of those perspectives collectively allow people to be whole. And so um, what we offer are the opportunities to create safe spaces for women in leadership um, or affinity groups And um, we tailor our experience with you um, with what it is that you feel are areas of need. And so um, for some folks, that looks like um, knowing what is self-care. You know, some of us are at different stages in in this work. And so we do introductory work with folks around really kind of the basics of what self-care is. But we also are really passionate about providing a comprehensive Uh, plan of uh, services for folks that allows you to go deeper. And I'll invite Shamira and Naima to talk a little bit further about what that going deeper could look like. And kick it to Naima next. Beautiful. So, and thank you so much, sis. 
um, those services can look like a variety of different things. It, it can look at like um, burnout, professional and parental prevention. It can look like, um, you know, moving into those modalities of holistic wellness that Shamira mentioned. It could look like um, moving into the modality, the healing modality of breath work that I facilitate through Divine Pause. It could look like a, a variety of different things, but the main focus is that we're focusing as my sis uh, race, Dr. Ray said, is on the whole being, the whole human being and operating in that space to where we're normalizing just being and that being enough. And uh, my sister Myra, do you want to add anything onto that? I feel like y'all really, I feel like you really <laughs> took on with that, especially the way you ended it. But, you know, the, the other thing that I wanted to say is I wanted to kind of circle back to what Dr. Ray said in the beginning, which was self-care as a trauma intervention. Um, really focusing on that piece for the individual's wholeness in the collective environment. So yes, we know that we are going into workspaces, um, but these are collective environments that house individuals. And so yeah. our work is around nurturing and holding spaces for these individuals um, using self-care as the vehicle using it as a trauma intervention. And I think it's really important because it humanizes that individual in an environment that would otherwise treat this person like a number, mm. like, a, like a metric. Mm. And so it is, it is about humanizing them. It is about coming alongside them. It's about um, teaching that person how to prioritize themselves within the context of work environments. And, you know, though we come in and create safe spaces and hold safe spaces, we are also teaching them how to become their own self space, safe space within spaces that don't always feel safe. And so I think the work is really revolutionary, especially being done with three women who work across the country, right? We've pretty much got you covered from the West Coast to the East Coast. You've got Naima on the West Coast. You've got Dr. Ray. Um, in the deep south, you've got me here on the East Coast, and we are really just doing something new and different, um, but it's exciting, and I love, I love the, the vision that we hold collectively, and, you know, um, I just count it as a blessing. You know, we are all three of us women of faith as well. And so whether we are coming into the environment doing this or not, we praying. <laughs> we might be fasted before we go in for the breakthrough of the people, the women, yes. the people that we are serving. So we're bringing a whole different thing in. Sometimes they don't even know what all they're getting. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, so how contact you how, how how can they find you to to render your services um i am um we you can email us um <laughs> that is the short answer you can email us 
Um, and I was going to shoot to share my record because I, I always get the email address wrong. So let me make sure and make sure I'm getting the email address correctly. Hold on. Yeah. And we'll definitely put all the contact information in the yeah as well. So. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, what we'll do is we'll, uh, while Ray is, is pulling that up, um, we also try to make it easy because depending on how the contact is coming, mm-hmm. we are also very flexible so that you can contact whoever your contact is because right. we are always talking. The one really great thing about SIS, that's what I wanted to say earlier before we segued into this was that a large part of the self-care piece that I heard you talk about, Dr. K, that we do very, very, very well is the accountability piece. Because that's what that was. That's what that was. That was accountability, you know? And I really just appreciate um, that space. Dr. Val, you, you had someone holding you accountable. You had someone saying, look at him. Um, you're talking about it, but are you going to be about it? Right. Your talk is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I'm telling you, my sisters will be like, so, and Naima especially, Naima's so good at it. She's like, so sister, I just need you to make sure that you are taking a divine pause today. It sounds very busy. <laughs> I need you to take a breath. You know, just the accountability piece and the safe space that even we create mm-hmm. is the biggest blessing of sis because we don't necessarily have it everywhere. Right. And let's just keep it real. When you are a leader, when you're a manager, when you're a coach, when you're a teacher, you have to use your discernment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not safe everywhere to divulge everything or divulge even a lot of the things and so there's this line right we are being transparent but we are using our discernment right and I love that with the cis collective we are safe and we can share very vulnerably and transparently with each other and hold each other up come alongside each other we can get on a prayer call like sis this is happening can we get on a call yes you know and and that that is, I don't, I, I, I just, I can't really say how much of a blessing it's been. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, it just, it holds a special place in my heart. Um, so if, you know, someone is wanting to reach out to us for us to come in and they are Ray's contact or they are Naima's contact or their mind, they can reach out to us individually if that makes them feel more comfortable or if that's easier but we do have an email address as Dr. Ray just dropped in the chat. Um, and that is, let me see it. It's welcome. Welcome, uh, welcome at Sisters, sisters is Up There. Yeah. So, so is that you to a website? Not yet. Okay. So it's coming. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I'm just speaking okay. things into existence. Mm-hmm. You right. are. Okay. Yes. I'm a manifesto. You know, I know that's my spiritual gift. <laughs> yes. We and we receive it, Dr. K. Yes. Listen, I mean, it's it's we are working together, but in real talk, in the middle of a pandemic, getting three women who have full lives and full plates together who are in three different time zones mm-hmm. is a lot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so and it's just, definitely coming. So they can I'm use just, that email address or they can just reach out to us. 
Yeah, because right? I'm thinking about just in just hearing you all knowing what self care is for myself, um, and the nature of the work that you all are doing in the collective. It's amazing how the pandemic has set us down, us meaning Black women, long enough to really examine this thing called self-care. And for some of us, we say we don't know how to do it, and that's okay. And I believe that's where your collective comes in and says that there is no um, checklist to self-care, but there's a collective opportunity uh, to understand what it means for you. And so I see this space, um, especially when you say when you're in different uh, time zone, that it's going to cross borders, right? Um, And and different industries, not just higher ed, you know, what we're in, um, Dr. V and Dr. Ray, um, but even the corporate. But the space that, that keeps popping up to me in this moment is the spirituality space. Mm. Because we got Black women that are working for God, maybe not in titles, but are working in that space that don't know how to do self-care. Yeah, and that's fact. Sometimes it feels like they they think their faith doesn't give them permission that, yes. that God has told them to serve so that in their service, it, it almost feels like self-care is it sits at in antithesis. Mm-hmm. We tell ourselves that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if I'm taking, if I'm doing God's work, then I can't be focused on me. And right. that is not, I, I, I am vehemently <laughs> against okay. That's not what my words say. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Right. Well, because oftentimes people say it's like it's your reasonable service, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't, I, I don't know how many times I've heard, well, it's your reasonable service. And, you know, you supposed to, the, the great commission, you're supposed to go out yeah. and do all these things. And it's just like at the expense of what, of everything, my own time. Right. My, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well being, sanity, all the things. Yeah. Yes. All of that. All the Martyring yourself for the sake of service. And that is mm-hmm. not the word of God. It's not. Mm-mm. And mm-hmm. it doesn't nope. say it in his word. I, you know, I, I actually have a specific class about that. And it mm-hmm. is called Reclaiming Your Personal Sabbath. And it has mm-hmm. all the Bible verses that I could find referring to self-care. But if we mm-hmm. just want to go to the most rudimentary of examples of self-care, we can talk about how God created the earth. When God created this world that we live in, and it said on the seventh day, he rested. Mm. Okay. We serve an inexhaustible God. I mean, I don't, I don't know what all God, other people serve, but my God is inexhaustible. He doesn't need naps and he doesn't need rest. So that was for our sake. That was the initial example. Rest. Mm -hmm. If I, God, am saying I rested, you too can rest. But we don't don't talk about that. We don't teach that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't get us started. You know, I listen. That's a whole nother nother show. Okay. (laughs) 
I'm reading the book of Isaiah right now, and what I'm learning, kind of new beforehand, but what I'm learning is that we pick certain scriptures within the Bible to talk mm-hmm. about things without understanding mm-hmm. the context. Mm-hmm. Yes. For the first time in reading Isaiah, I'm almost done, but you know, the the, uh, the most famous, no weapon against me uh, mm-hmm. through stripes we're here healed we hear those but i've read since chapter one and now i understand the context behind it and i'm mm-hmm. just oh, that's what that means okay that's what i mm-hmm. said this was the prophecy you know the the servant that is suffering you know all of that and i think when we are black women and women of faith we really have to understand God's calling over our life. Yes. Not be so eager to say what our calling is compared to what we believe somebody Mm. else. Yes. I don't, I can barely operate in my calling, let alone. Come on now. Yes. Yes. Causes the stress and we feel as though we can't have this self-care because I got to compete with so-and-so. But, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a different topic for a different day. But I'm so honored to be in this space. I'm so thankful for the connections uh, of how you all have come together um, and how you're using your gifts and your talents um, accordingly and how it will not how it will, but how it, it is already certain. Mm. Um, the seeds have already been planted. Um, and it's just the the nourishing, the watering now. And so this, the podcast right here, this is part of the water. The seeds have already been planted. Um, and I wish you all nothing but success in the journey because you're doing something that as Black women, we can dream about, but have never put it to reality. Mm. So thank you for being vulnerable enough to acknowledge your journeys in self-care, to acknowledge the gifts that you have, to come together again as a collective to help the community within Black women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. V, you want to wrap us up? I, I just want to echo everything my my sister has said. Um, I just thank you for saying yes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much power in our yes. You know, and I, and I don't mean the yes in terms of how it's turned to be chaotic and in terms of the workload. I'm just saying yes to your calling, yes. right? Like the yes that that initiated these conversations that stirred your soul to say that this cannot be it. I thank you for your yes and your desire to want to see other Black women live better, live well, live healthier, and live their best selves. Like, I so thank you for that because I do believe, you know, see, now I'm getting churchy, but that's who I am. So, you know, you know, like, iron shot. Right. Like God's word says that iron sharpens iron. There is someone who is listening, who is yet just holding on with just one hand. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I just am so thankful because by hearing you all's testimony and hearing your story, they're going to know that that's not the way, that's not the only way you can do something different. And so I just am so enamored. I'm, I, I just, I'm thankful. I'm thankful and I'm grateful for your yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I just believe that God's just going to bless this, right? Like we, you know, we surrender our gifts and our talents into him, but I just, I just see this going so many different places and, oh, and God opening so many doors because people are needing it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, I thank you all for your time. I thank you everyone, everyone's who listening, you know, and yeah. I hope you all in this pandemic that you're taking care of yourselves. And if no one has checked on you, it's okay mm-hmm. to check on yourself to say, how is my mind? How is yeah. my heart? How yeah. am I showing up? And if I'm not showing up, okay, then maybe I need to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, mm-hmm. this, <laughs> I'm going to go back to a good colleague, good friend, good sis. Um, who was on the show uh, earlier in this season, Dr. Uh, Tayari Wilson. And she asked that question. I, I promise you, I asked that question everywhere I go. Black women, how long will you sacrifice your well-being for success? And when she said that thing, I, it told me all up in the inside. <laughs> so I, was like, I don't know how long. But it is so real. And one of the ways to acknowledge, to even res- begin to respond to that, is this collective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you all are an answered prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Okay, see, I'm not going to cry. Okay. <laughs> Let me, let, let's, let's wrap it up. You know, thank you. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Black Women Voices Podcast, on Facebook and Twitter at Black Women Voices. Email us, blackwomenvoices at gmail.com. We don't have a website, nor do we intend to get that website. <laughs> 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 You're like, no. <laughs> Definitely um, contact us. Uh, Be sure to check out uh, earlier episodes. Uh, This is season four, episode six. Uh, We're on, what what are we on? SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes. We're just everywhere. We're trying to be everywhere because the conversations that we're having with Black women for Black women, uh, you don't hear often. And we don't have to have big names Mm-hmm. these conversations right mm-hmm. uh, but before I get too old let me go ahead and have this thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you all um, for being here uh, the sis- sisters in self care is what it stands for um, and just being true to the calling uh, true to your gifts until mm-hmm. um, this is Dr. K signing out with Black Women Welcome see you later Thank mm-hmm. you.